The Old Testament reading for today is Psalm 30, which can be found on page 551 in your pew Bibles. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me up out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. This is the word of the Lord. The Old, Test the Old Testament reading today is John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19, which can be found on page 1088 in your pew Bibles. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And they did. They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And the disciple, and the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped the he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. 
So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus, uh, Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you were dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. My name is Matt Postma. Uh, I'm a member here, uh, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to, to be preaching on this text today. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to be preaching on this text. Uh, it, there's a lot going on here, um, and, and I'm hoping to be able to, to do it some justice. Um, yeah. So in this text, the disciples are, are back where it all started. They're back in a boat. They're, they're on the water. They're fishing. This is, this is their livelihood. This may have been the very spot where Jesus called to Peter and Andrew and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, from the, the story where we're told this in, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, Jesus calls to them and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. I will make, make you catching people. Uh, I, I will make you people who catch others for the sake of this new thing. And so they, they follow Jesus, and, and that's the story from Matthew chapter 4. But here they are, once again, probably in the same spot, and they're, they're in this kind of post-resurrection days. They, they've seen Jesus appear to them twice now, and, and there's probably some happiness that's going on for them, um, but perhaps a bit of what's next like what? What are we're without our rabbi, our teacher, our instructor, our our person to to guide us through this? What's next? Because the revolution 
was not what they expected. The revolution was, was opposite of what they expected, actually. And before they knew Jesus, the only thing that they really knew was fishing. So Peter suggests that they go back to their trade, if only so that they can eat. And they do. They go, they go out in their boats, and they didn't catch anything all night. Not one fish. I wonder if they felt clumsy or if they felt like they had forgotten how to do some of this thi- these things. It's, it's been a few years since they've like, had to do this day in, day out, night in, night out, I guess. Um, or maybe they're, they're just anxious and mostly went into the boats to offer themselves a quiet place, a familiar place, a place to gather, to rest, to be away from the, the questions of curious people for a moment. It, it's all speculation, the, the why of why they went fishing. Uh, but the text is pretty clear that they were failing at actually catching any fish. They caught nothing all night. They had been trying at, at least a little, and they had exactly zero fish to show for it. Then a person on shore shouts to them, you haven't caught any fish, have you? Now, I, I really enjoy fishing. Uh, I don't get out fishing as much as I'd like to, but I've talked to some avid people who, who do fishing, and this is the absolute worst way to ask the question. It's the, it's the negative, right? Like, you haven't caught any fish, have you? Because there are so many other more positive ways, even neutral ways, to ask this question. You can say, any luck? Or... Any keepers? And, and those things assume the positive, right? <laughs> you, you want to kind of assume positive in some of these situations. But Jesus asked this in the negative. You haven't caught any fish, have you? It, it feels a little bit like a, a sting, um, perhaps. Or at least kind of judgy. Uh, <laughs> the disciples were already acutely aware of their failure, but now they needed to acknowledge it verbally, uh, which is a terrible feeling. So their answer was a quick, nope. Uh, And and they were probably hoping that this person on shore moves along. But that's not how the story goes. Uh, And I want to pause here a moment in their failure. The disciples are failing in their work. This is the the first time they're gathering together as the, the group of disciples, and it's not a Sunday. It's not a... Uh, all gathered together behind locked doors, closed doors. They're out doing their work on a normal Tuesday, maybe. I don't know. Um, but they're, they're out doing their work, um, and they, they need to acknowledge their failure in their work. They, might, they probably already did this internally, but now they need to admit it, admit it out loud, and it probably feels not very nice. So I understand this terrible feeling too. Maybe, maybe you do as well. I failed in my personal life, uh, in my work life, in big and small ways. And having to admit that I'm wrong, that I messed up, that I failed, yuck. It's, it's embarrassing. You, you don't really want to have to admit it out loud. You've already, at least for me, like I already beat myself up inside. Uh, maybe some of you are like that as well. Um, and I'm usually tempted to offer an explanation. This is, is why it's all going wrong. 
let me rationalize this for the both of us, or for all of us, why all of this is going so wrong. Let me blunt the sharpness of the failure with an explanation that may or may not make sense. So I ran into this recently with a, a diversity training for my new work with InterVarsity. Uh, this was a, a three-day diversity cohort on Zoom, which I, I was really grateful that I could be, a, be with these people on Zoom, but Zoom is um, not always the best medium for a three-day kind of cohort teaching thing. <laughs> this laughter tells me that you all have experienced something like this as well. Um, but in this, in this uh, diversity training, we were invited to consider the work we need to do in several areas of diversity. So ethnicity, gender, sexuality, class, uh, ability, etc. But there are, are multiple ways to consider diversity. And uh, being a cisgender, heterosexual, white male who is a U.S. citizen, has a bank account, and I'm able-bodied, I encountered a lot of my own privilege and I was made to look at how that privilege manifested uh, in my life and the ways that I had been paternalistic and unhelpful, uh, uncaring, and the worst is just silent. I had been silent with my privilege. Before this training started, I thought I was doing some good. I thought I was, I was doing okay with this. I wasn't perfect by any stretch, but I thought I was, I was doing okay. Um, I thought that my, my diversity education was adequate, and I realized I was wrong. Um, I'm still realizing I'm wrong, and I'm, I'm still failing. I still have a lot to learn about my privilege and how my privilege affects those around me, especially those who have been subordinated in society. In those first moments of encountering that failure, I was readying my excuses and my explanations I felt the heat in my face and the desire to hide, which it's really easy to do when you're on Zoom because you just hit that mute video button and you can hide pretty easily and like slide back in your chair and do all the like physical things that you would be scared to do in person. Um, I thought I knew how to do this. I got real quiet and I tried to answer the, the group questions in short answers, maybe one word. It was uncomfortable. Despite the discomfort, I was, I was glad for the training and for these people. I was glad for, for the people who were willing to invest their time and energy into leading this training and giving us some good feedback. I was glad that these people, uh, were, these wonderful people came alongside to encourage and to challenge and to make us feel uncomfortable in, in the important ways. And there's at least a little bit of that happening in today's text, too. Jesus, who is still a stranger to the disciples in the boat at this point, uh, Jesus shouts a suggestion from shore, in, in, inviting them to recognize their failure in that moment. He says, try the starboard side, or try the right side. Try the other side of the boat. The text doesn't tell us if there's any discussion amongst the friends in the boat uh, about whether they would take this advice or not, uh, but with nothing to lose, they try putting their nets on the starboard side of the boat. It really shouldn't change anything. It might change the location of the net in the water by like 10 feet, maybe, maybe. Uh, and, and that's when a miracle happens. 
Their nets are full to bursting. By all rights, their nets should have burst. And a disciple shouts to Peter, It's the Lord! There's a, a, a miracle and recognition. And after Peter drags himself uh, and the fish out of the water, Jesus feeds the disciples. Jesus meets them in their failing uh, and their, in their failing fishing endeavor and gives them a word and feeds them. Last week, Jamie Smith talked about Saturday seasons, times of, of doubt with waiting and fear and narratives that fuel our resistance to engaging that doubt. This week, Jesus meets the disciples in a starboard side moment. I'm going to borrow Jamie's uh, model there of like Saturday moments or Saturday seasons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us another thing to, to hold here in starboard side moments. Uh, start the right side moments. Um, these starboard side moments and seasons are times when we're feeling the failure. In the midst of how uncomfortable that failure is, we get a word. Switch to the starboard side. And in obedience, we do. However begrudgingly, in the midst of that failure. That starboard side moment can feel frustrating because the disciples need to acknowledge a moment of failure. They need to listen to a suggestion, a a correction, and in listening, they experience a miracle. It's not only because of their own work, grinding harder in fishing. They they find this... It's not the reason that they catch so much more fish. They didn't, like fish harder. Uh, That's not really something that you can do, I guess. Um, It's because Jesus did something. Jesus did something and then they got to participate in the miracle of of hauling in this huge uh, bunch of fish because they followed Jesus' instruction. And the text tells us that they still had doubts through all of this. Even after a disciple shouted, it's the Lord! They get to shore with their huge hall and Jesus invites them to breakfast. And yet in verse 12, it tells us that none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They they were still living with doubt as they were sitting around a fire with Jesus, with their Lord. Saturday seasons may persist even as you're experiencing a miracle. Friends, as Jamie mentioned last week, doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Faith and doubt can coexist, and at times we need them together to be able to help us into deeper faith, into better understanding, and to be honest with ourselves. Jesus invites the disciples to come close and be fed with some bread and some fish. And I think that's what Jesus invites us to as well. I learned about the ways I was failing in my diversity work because I had people inviting me into a starboard moment, starboard side moment. My, my failure in, in this diversity stuff was an issue, but if I didn't acknowledge that failure, it would be even more problematic. They helped me to look at these failures and they offered suggestions for how I could do my own diversity work, and, and that's important, that I do my own work. And I believe they were God's own words to me in that moment. 
a Jesus on shore, giving me direction despite my failure. And I'm really grateful. Maybe you have failings in your life. It may not be uh, related to diversity training. It may be in your work or in your home life uh, or both. Uh, Perhaps things that initially feel like failures. Situations where you're feeling really frustrated or discouraged. Perhaps you'll hear the, the, the voice of someone saying something that equates to, try the starboard side. And you have a choice. You get to try or you get to continue to be frustrated and discouraged. And in the trying, you may experience a miracle. Now, trying doesn't mean that you will experience a miracle. It just, you may experience a miracle when you try listening to this starboard side suggestion. What feels like failure to us, Jesus can turn into something wonderful. A commentary I read this week uh, talks about if we believe what we read here in the Gospels, it's the way we lose more than the way we win that brings greater glory to God. The way, we, the way we lose, friends, doesn't mean we always have to lose, but it does matter the way we lose or fail and how we respond. From there, Jesus asks Peter the same question three times over. At first glance, it might feel a bit insulting. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Do you love me? Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Many scholars believe this is inviting us to remember the way Peter failed miserably before Jesus was crucified in in denying Jesus, in denying knowing Jesus three times. The text today seems to be teaching us that Jesus takes people who qualify exactly as much as Peter does, people who have failed time after time, problematic human beings with all of our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups. Jesus is looking for people who are willing to recognize their own failure and repent in love for Jesus. That's the kind of person that Jesus is after. You don't need an impressive resume or a spotless past or a huge turnaround story. Jesus is looking for people who can admit past mistakes and repent for the sake of love for Jesus. And then with the context of the fishing boats, remember Jesus tells these uh, fishermen that he will make them catching people. He will make them fishers for other people. Jesus calls Peter and the disciples who love him to one major mission. Take really, really good care of the people that Jesus entrusts, entrusts to them. Take really good care of those people whom Jesus brings into his church. It was Jesus who told them to put their nets on the starboard side. It was the miracle of Jesus that brought in the the miraculously huge catch. It was the work of Jesus to bring the fish to the net. And he invited the disciples to participate in that work in bringing them in. Jesus does a bit of mixing metaphors here, like with fish and, and sheep. And um, it can be a little bit confusing, but it's Jesus, so we kind of give him a pass on that. 
but whether it's fish or sheep, Jesus is the one who leads them close and invites Peter and, and the church to take really good care of them. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, follow me and everything will be okay. No, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you people who take care of and love other people. Love for Jesus looks more like love outward at other people than emotional outbursts upward. Love for Jesus looks like love for others. Sometimes love for people, sometimes the love for the people God entrusts to us means putting ourselves on the line and risking something of ourselves. Risking our privilege and centering marginalized voices. Sometimes this love looks like being willing to be hosted and fed by people who don't look like us. Listening to stories and laughing or crying with them. Take really good care of the ones Jesus entrusts to our care. Friends, let me encourage you to look for Jesus on shore. Listen for the starboard side moments. And love the people that Jesus brings into your path. At the same time, remember that you are among the loved. Jesus wants to bring you close. And Jesus wants to remind you that you are loved. You are important in this community, even if you have some failures. It might not be easy, and you might have to address those failures, but you belong here. You belong here. You're supposed to be here. The resurrection can be something that you are both skeptical about and celebrating, all while eating at the table of Jesus. Have a little bread, and here's some fish. Because Jesus wants to love you like he loves Peter and the other disciples. It can be something that's totally baffling and, if true, is the best news there is. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we admit that we fail. And we're grateful that this is a place where we can come with our failures and you meet us with your love and your compassion. You bring us close and you say, okay, let's try again. Let's try something new or different. We're grateful for the ways that you love us and that this community can be a place where we trust each other with our failures and we come to you uh, with abundant joy, knowing that you are the one who has defeated death defeated the grave. We can sit with you in all of our doubts, and that's okay. Lord, we thank you, and we praise you, and we love you. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.